You're listening to the Emmanuel Christian Center podcast. Join us as we jump into our series, Reclaim Your Future. Our past, our pains, and the scripts we've adopted can make us feel like we've missed our chance. But God is a God of opportunity. Where we may feel something is lost, God sees value. He restores that value and reclaims it, giving us new hope and purpose. So get ready. God is on the move. Good morning, Emmanuel. How many love Jesus today? You love him? Big shout out to the whole Emmanuel family, whether you're in Maple Grove, Elk River, Lakeville, Spring Lake Park, or joining us online. It's great to worship together. So excited about today. Get to celebrate and worship the Lord together. We get to dedicate kids to Jesus together, and, uh, and then we get to dive into the Word of God together. We're in part three of our series, Reclaim Your Future, and uh, today we're going to look at a whole bunch of things, but just to catch you up, if you missed any of the previous weeks, uh, we talked about the idea that God is not only the creator, but he's the recreator, that just because he started with something doesn't mean he's done creating new things in new parts of our stories. How many are thankful for that? God didn't give up on you just because you messed up before. He's creating new things. Last week, we talked about flipping the script and how the opportunity to take what was kind of handed to us by our past and not let our past control our future or our present. And we can take our thoughts captive. Paul said that when he was a child, that, that he spoke and thought and reasoned as a child, but then he grew up. And we all have the opportunity to grow up into the things that God has for us. Turn to the person next to you and say, grow up. <laughs> and we have that opportunity. If you've missed any of the message, you can always catch them online or on the Emmanuel MN app. Encourage you to do that. Today, we're going to see how God grows a dream. What did you want to be when you grew up? Do you remember? What was that thing you wanted to be when you grew up? Do you want to like run the world? I wanted to play in the NFL at one point. Um, we all have different dreams. Some people remember the old Toys R Us commercials. If you're my era, I don't want to grow up because I'm a Toys R Us kid. A million toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up because if I did, then I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. So some people don't want to grow up. I don't know why I just sang that, and I don't even know where the words came from. It's the power of marketing, right? When we're young, we have dreams because they haven't been shut down yet. Life hasn't taken the joy out of it yet. People haven't disappointed us yet. I heard a dream uh, about one of our Team Emmanuel members who serves on our security team. Our security team here, we call Watchmen. His name is, is David Boyd. David, why don't you come here? I want you to share your dream today. And uh, well, first of all, you're a, you're a watchman. And uh, so there's men and women that serve and volunteer on each of our locations uh, for the protection and the safety of our church. Would you give it up for our watchmen here today, too? They're in each of our locations. How can people get involved with that? It's a great question, and the Watchman is a great ministry. We have uh, safety and security of all of our sites. And today we have an information uh, counter at each of our locations, Lobby 3 here in Spring Lake Park, or the main lobbies at our other locations. We'd love to share some information with you 
about what we do, who we are, what our mission is, and how we serve the kingdom here at Emmanuel, providing safety and security. So we hope you look into that if you have an interest in it. Of course, we want to go through growth track, just like everybody else becomes a part of Team Emmanuel. But let's talk about what I heard about when you were a kid. You had a dream to what? I had a dream to fly. To fly. Now, not like Superman. Of course. Okay, so what... (laughs) How, what was that flying for you? Well, when I was 13, I had something drop in me that I just knew that I knew that I was going to be a pilot. I was going to be an aviator. Yeah, here we here go. We go. <laughs> Bless the Lord. And I, uh, I felt like at, at that age, I was going to um, you know, pursue aviation as a career. Uh, so I started actually when I was 16 flying mm. and went through a process of training and learning. I could... I could uh, to fly a plane by myself before I could drive a car by myself. So, uh, and now my son today wants to hold that same uh, distinction. He wants to learn how to fly before he can learn to drive a car. So, <laughs> so you had that dream. You learned to fly, but then what happened to the dream? I, it went on a shelf. It went on a shelf for a variety of reasons. I I came to this point where I I, I went to school for it, but I realized I didn't want to have a career in aviation. Uh, so. So we talked about it, that he, he's a crier, he said. Yeah. And I said, that's okay, you can cry. People yeah. like it when you cry, David. It's, it's going to be okay. So when it happens and you hear, here we go, uh, that's what's I'll going on. I'll take a breath, give me a minute, thank yeah, you. It's okay. Bless the Lord. <laughs> and part of it is knowing, you know, where the story went. Yeah. So, but I, it, the, the, the vision, the dream went on a shelf. And it went on a shelf for a long time, Pastor. It was probably 25 years that that vision was up on a shelf. Mm. And life happens. Life happens. And, a lot uh, of things happen. I made decisions that were poor, felt like I was separated from worthiness, like I, 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 I didn't deserve it. Mm. I couldn't get to it. I had messed up, and uh, God had a different plan. Yeah. That's what I love about our church. There's a lot of, all of us have stories. There's no perfect people allowed in church, and, um, but the story's not over just because we messed up or something happened to us or we lost something. God has a way of bringing things back around, so what happened next? God put a vision back on my heart. Deep breath. And it was bigger. It was, it was bigger than I could have imagined. Mm. And I felt like uh, at the time that he did this, he charged me with doing something beyond myself. And he charged me to do something for the good of the kingdom. So he put a, he put a vision on my heart. He put a plane on my heart. And uh, this year... It came to pass. There it is. There it is. So what, one of the things about that dream is you felt, what was the dream for? The dream was for what I felt impressed on my spirit was for the growth of the kingdom. Mm. That's what he asked me to do. Do this. I will train you. I will, I will make this happen. But this is, this is what it's for. It's so for you're the just getting started in that, and yeah. you want it to be for the glory of God and what God can do next. Would you give it up for David sharing his story today? Well, not everybody here is going to get a plane. That's not what this is about today. Uh, I'm not Oprah. I'm not giving away stuff left and right. But what I do know is, is that all of us have an opportunity, no matter what journey that you've been on, God has a purpose and a dream for your next. And I want to give you the bottom line up front for this entire message today, and it's this, and it'll be on the screen. Dreams have a process. In the beginning, we think it's for self, 
but the process refines us and eventually our dream will benefit others. See, the dream has to go through a process and we're going to see it through a life of a guy named Joseph. You can turn to Genesis chapter 37. I'll get there in a moment. Joseph is this guy that actually covers up about a third of the book of Genesis. Um, Gets a lot of time, a lot of print, if you will, in the Bible. But Joseph is one of those guys that um, had a dream when he was young from God. And then things didn't go so great after he talked about that dream. We'll read it in a moment. He ends up getting sold into slavery, finds himself in another country. And then after that, he, he... He's a slave to this family, and then he gets betrayed by someone in that family. He ends up in prison. So he's further and further away from his dreams. But at the end of the story, you discover that his heart stayed pure to God. And because his heart stayed pure to God, there was a process of development of the dream. And we'll talk about that in just a few moments, starting with verse number four. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Anybody have family members like that? One night, Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. And suddenly my bundle stood up And your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. And his brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed low before me. The title of my message today is this, How a God Dream Grows. How does a God dream grow? And the first thing I want to share with you how a God dream grows is this. It starts with God and you. Joseph's dream was from God. It didn't come from him. It came from God. It was a powerful thing that God had planted him. God initiated it in the first place. How many know you didn't choose God, he chose you? I love what it says in Romans chapter 5. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus took the first step. And in this story, I want you to catch, God gave Joseph the dream. He didn't dream it up for himself. Okay. God gave Joseph the dream. And ultimately your dream starts with God. Your purpose is from him. Listen, you have a purpose that God planted in you before you were born. And no matter what's happened since you came out that birth canal, no matter what's happened since you were born, no matter what's been spoken to you, 
No matter how much abandonment you've gone through, no matter what abuse you've gone through, no matter what somebody has said to you, no matter what you did to mess things up, I'm just telling you that purpose was there before all that happened, and it's still there, and God still believes in you. It's still there. Ultimately, his dream started with God. But I want you to notice the other part of this. So it's a God dream. It starts as God and Joseph. And at first, Joseph sees the beneficiary of the dream as himself. Verse 6, listen to this dream, he said. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and suddenly my bundle stood up, and your little bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. Now, this seems really egotistical, but the truth is we all do this. This is kind of the way human beings are wired. It's not just Joseph is weird. Well, we all do this. How many of you ever got together for a group photo? You're out to, to a meal with people, and the server says, I'll take that picture, and you all lean in. And then you look at the group photo. Who's the first person you look for in the picture? We all do this. We all kind of want to see ourselves in the picture. When we begin to dream about our future careers and how much money we'll make, we often think about ourselves as being the beneficiaries of it. That's human nature. It's, it's, it's not just, it's not sinful in itself. It's just immature. It's immature in its understanding of what a gift is for. Think about this. When people get married, they get married really because the other person makes them feel good. Oh, no, that's not the way it is. Well, I'll sit down and ask in premarital counseling, so why do you like her? Oh, she just, she's the best. She brings the best out of me. And we have an idealism to what marriage is. How many know that love is blind, but marriage is an eye-opener? <laughs> right? It has a way of, oh, and you don't, it's not just eyes open to the other person. It's to yourself. Or how about parents when they want to have kids? And they, they just say, we just dreamed of having a, we prayed to have a baby. We, we had a baby that lasts about like two nights that it's just feel goods as you're staying up all night long. And you're dealing with the realities of raising kids and the relentless responsibilities and how much it costs and all of that. So we launch into dreams sometimes, but we don't understand the full length of the dream. Businesses are started to make dreams happen. And here's my thought. We all start off thinking about how our decisions will benefit us, but God is patient with us. He gives us talents and desires and dreams, even though we don't get it at first. God is playing the long game with you and me. He's into checkers, not into chess. So remember, it's you and God. How a God dream grows. Secondly, God uses opposition to move us toward his destinations. So once a dream goes in, he's going to use your opponents and the frustrations and the winds of life to move you to the places where he wants you to be. Look what happens next in Joseph's life, in Genesis 37, verse 23. So when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. 
And then they grabbed him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming toward them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders talking a load of, uh, taking a load of gum and balm and aromatic resin from Gilead down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? In other words, they were pl planning on killing him. We'd have to cover up the crime. Instead of hurting him, let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. You want to talk about family drama? Here's some family drama. And it was building to this moment for a long time. You see, Joseph had a lot of half-brothers and sisters. His dad had a bunch of wives. This is before the spot in the Bible where it says that you're only supposed to have one wife. So that, that hasn't been downloaded from heaven yet. So now there's one guy with lots of wives and then their kids. And Joseph's like the second to youngest. In fact, it says at one point in the text that he was 17 years old and he's working for his older brothers, their business. How many uh, small business owners we got in here? Anybody? We've got a number of them. So we have a lot of business owners, people that are in our church. You're employing people. Well, Joseph's working for his brothers. And meanwhile, Joseph has the favor of his dad, and his dad likes him more than he likes everybody else. In fact, he gives him gifts that he doesn't give to everybody else. And on top of that, this cocky little teenager decides that he's going to share the dreams with his brothers. So you can just see that the, the, the case in their heads and their hearts was building. They were frustrated with him, and the time was coming. So eventually it built up, built up, there's an old book called Lord of the Flies moment where, where the boys all got, got together and groupthink took over and they're ready to be done with him. And they throw him into the pit and they decide to sell him away. Let me just say this to you because this, this, the scripture doesn't just focus on one person as a biography. Although we're looking at Joseph primarily today, there's his brothers in this story too. If you're in a family situation, the relationships, and there's family drama going on in your life, you got to deal with the offense in your own heart. You cannot let that build until there's long-term separation. And then when there is long-term separation, you got to deal with what's in your heart. We have an offended culture. We're offended by everything, calling people out, cutting people off. And that ought not be for the follower of Jesus. There has to be a restoration. Even if, even if you're in the space where somebody does it to you, you don't have to become what you despise. Listen, gossip is still gossip in families. It's not like different. It's not sanctioned gossip. God's okay if you gossip about family members, but he's not okay if you, don't, if you gossip about others. Come on. Gossip hurts people. You're talking behind people. If you talk to one sister about everybody else, but you don't talk the same way when those people are in the room, you got a problem. So I'm stepping up on some toes today. 
Paul says this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He said, you should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times for people will love only themselves and their money. They'll be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They'll be cruel and hate what is good. They'll betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. You think we might be there? I want you to notice that text isn't for the world. It's for the church. In the last days, these things are going to be going on amongst Christians. So what are you going to do about it? Paul tells Timothy, stay away from these people. Listen, unity is going to require forgiveness. It may require boundaries. It may require releasing people to their own destiny, even though it's different than yours. In Joseph's case, he didn't have a choice. He gets sent away. Thankfully, his brothers Reuben and Judah actually saved his life. It says this, from the day Joseph was put, that day, Joseph was put in charge of his master's household. Now he's talking about where he's going in Egypt. He's now a slave. In the master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar, his boss, his household for Joseph's sake. And all his household affairs ran smoothly and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. And with Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Here's what I want you to catch. He is moving towards God's dream, but he doesn't even know it. His enemies sent him into a situation he would have never chosen. The experiences that he went through had the outcome of placing him in a household as a slave. Nobody signs up to be a slave. But there he is, and where he is, there's a new opportunity. New surroundings offer new opportunities. And he makes the most of that opportunity. Hear me closely. No matter what led you into the moment you're in, whether your mistakes or somebody else's decisions, No matter what's in your backdrop, wherever you are right now, even if you wouldn't have chosen to be there, make the most of the opportunity that you're in. Give your best. That's what Joseph did. He gives his best, and cream always rises to the the top. He begins to manage a household. How you handle your present role determines whether or not you will receive promotion. God is watching it. That's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. Make the most of what you have right now. The marriage you're in, the job that you have, the circumstances you're in. Don't be a moaner and a whiner. Because of where you are, make the most of now. Turn to the person next to you and say, make the most of now. (laughs) Now listen, new success also brings new dangers. He rises to the top of this household as a slave, oversees everything else, and new level is a new devil. (laughs) There's new opposition. His brothers are in his past He's got new opposition. 
And that new success brings these new dangers. Look at verse 6 of Genesis 39. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against who? God. Potiphar's wife likes what she sees, and she feels entitled to do with this slave whatever she wants. And Joseph doesn't want to give in to that. The scripture says that she came after him day after day. He said, how could I do such a wicked thing before God? Listen, there is always a boss that is above the one you have, even if you are the boss. We need to remember that outside of church, okay? Go with me into where you work, your social group of friends that you hang out with, the couples that you go out with, or the individuals you're with at a ball game with your children. And whatever they're doing, the activities they have, those are all things that they do, and it's normal in their world. But you don't need to give in and do what everybody else is doing if it violates what your Savior wants of you. Ethics are, are above and beyond internal cultures of the groups of people you are around. Listen, this word is true in every sector of the planet. You can go to caves on the other side of the world, South and Central America, you can go to Europe, and, and you can go all the way to the Far East, and I'm just telling you this, what this word says is true wherever you go. You've got to remember that. It's not so, that's so out of date, that's so old, that's so patriarchal. And people want to throw it all away. You throw the word away at your own demise. Listen, the dream is at stake. Joseph stays true to the dream giver in the moment when somebody else wants to take it away. You don't have to give it away. Serving God is a 24-7 responsibility. Don't take the bait. You are not a victim. I just have to give in because of the circumstances I'm around. No, you don't have to go with what everyone else is doing at work or in your social or your friend group. Joseph's obedience then has real-world consequences. The spurned wife of Potiphar accuses him of trying to rape her. And we know that Potiphar doesn't believe her because he doesn't have Joseph immediate, killed immediately. Joseph is thrown into prison. Look at it. It says, verse 16, she kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. And then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside. I don't do very good at having a female voice. Leaving his cloak with me. And Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph, threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held and where he remained. Now, listen, Potiphar wasn't that mad at Joseph or he would have had him killed. He could have had him killed. He was just a slave. He could have done it. No, no, no. He sent him to prison. He was mad because here, here we go again with his wife. There was something else going on there. I don't want to dig into the drama of that moment. I just want you to catch God was now propelling 
pushing Joseph closer to his dream, even though it didn't feel like it. Sometimes at our worst moment, our biggest betrayal, the thing that we lose, the person who love that is lost, feels like all is gone, all is lost, the sky is falling, nothing good is going to happen. And at that moment, we think it's over. God's dreams are done. I'm just telling you this. Watch out. If you trust in the Lord, he will move you closer to his dream, even if you can't see it. He was never going to be able to do his dream from Potiphar's household. He had to move to the next station. Keep moving. How a God dream grows, number three, delay often means God is preparing other parts of the dream. Delay often means that God is preparing other parts of the dream. Sometimes the delay isn't really about you. The world around you is going through process, and it will be clear later. All the pieces of that future story, they're not ready yet. Joseph is in prison. He's delayed further. He's feeling forgotten. But God's speed is different than ours. I want to give you a success definition that's not American. It's biblical, though. The definition of success is this, accomplishing God's goals in God's timing. Just because you're comparing yourself to everybody else, that's not might not be God's timing. So you, you are faithful and obedient to where God wants you to be now, and you let it, and please God and be obedient now and trust that he'll get you where you need to be. I'm thankful that Jody waited for me. You see, back when I was 20 years old, back when I was 18, 19, and 20, I was in Michigan, a whole other state, trying to figure out what my world was going to be about. I went and studied business administration. I thought I was going to go for a business degree. I went to classes. I served and volunteered at a church. I didn't know. I dated a couple girls, but nothing was really serious, and I was like, I didn't know. Thank God on the other side of, of Lake Michigan and a little bit further into the state of Minnesota, there was the best woman ever named Jody, and she had guys chasing her, and she had other things going on in her life. She had a full-time job. She was buying a car. She was real mature and, and, and dedicated, and she, she, thank God she said no to all those other guys because I wasn't ready for her yet. That's the way God works when we think about the dream. you got to understand, you're not the only person or circumstance in your dreams. God is working on the whole board. He's moving all the pieces together. And sometimes we're too impatient. Success is saying, God, I accept where you want me to be for life until you move me. Because I'm convinced you're going to get me to the dream and the purpose that you planted in me in my mother's womb. I'm going to trust you. Joseph wasn't ready for the dream, but neither was the world, Pharaoh, or Joseph's family. God was going to take them all through a process, and then at the right time, his promises would be revealed. So in the meantime, everybody said, in the meantime, Joseph became the best prisoner ever. He's in prison now. So what does he do? Same thing he did when he was in Potiphar's house. I'm going to get up. I'm going to be the best prisoner I can possibly be. And if you're part of our Emmanuel family watching from prison right now, we are cheering for you. You can be the best prisoner ever. Take it from Joseph. You can do it. 
he makes good use of his time. And along the way, he's got these gifts that he uses, administration gifts, leadership gifts. He helps people out. He also has spiritual gifts. He interprets dreams. Not only does he receive dreams, he interprets other people's dreams. And Pharaoh had two former employees that were in prison, the cupbearer and the baker. They were in prison, and Joseph interprets their dreams. They get out of the prison. One dies, and the other one gets hit back in Pharaoh's household and forgets about Joseph because it wasn't time yet. He's forgotten how a God dream grows. Number four, there is purpose to the moment of promotion. There is purpose to the moment of promotion. In other words, God was holding off that final promotion because there was a purpose to it. It wasn't just to get the job, get the girl, get the house, get the money, get the dream. It was because that dream was for something. All the experiences of Joseph's journey led to a moment where he could not have visualized as a young man. Overnight, he is thrust from the prison to the palace. He interprets Pharaoh's dream and is entrusted with a whole nation. Look at it in Genesis chapter 41, 37. After Joseph had, had uh, interpreted Pharaoh's dreams, Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the spirit of God. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I sitting on my throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Mm. So that moment had a purpose. And the purpose was the, the dream that Pharaoh shared was that there would be, in the interpretation that Joseph shared, would there be seven years of plenty or the crops would grow well. Everything would work. The rains would come. And it would be followed by seven years of famine. So Joseph then was entrusted with storing up the, the, all the excess and even some more of the produce of the good seven years so that the whole world could survive during the famine. That was the purpose. If Joseph had been promoted at any other point in the story, nothing would have happened. This was the perfect moment for him to move from the prison to the palace. Because it wasn't about him getting on the cover of some magazine or be the most shareable person on Instagram or have his reel viewed by millions of viewers. It wasn't about Joseph. It was about the rest of the world around Joseph. God cares about the whole world and he uses us to feed the world. God's dreams are meant to benefit people other than you the people around you. Last month, uh, Jody and I drove down to Springfield, Missouri to visit Pastor Ben and Sarah Bright, our former executive pastor of the church, who is now senior vice president at Convoy of Hope, which is one of our Kingdom Builder partners. And, uh, and as we visited Convoy of Hope, they do disaster relief. They have feeding programs in multiple nations around the world. We got to see their massive distribution centers. We got a tour with Pastor Ben and his daughter Ellie. And you can see this just massive place. 
where they've got partnerships and organizations nationally, not Christian organizations that are sending food and supplies because they are ready to send it. And, and, and the, the founder of Convoy, Hal Donaldson, who will be with us this next year, he's on the phone daily with presidents and corporations around the world who are encountering food crisis. They're encountering all kinds of things. And you might have heard in the news that there's a coming crisis around the world, potentially. And who knows what's going on in the prophetic side of things. All I know is this. I'm going to stay close to Jesus, and I want to be like Joseph. Because when things are going on, my purpose is not to eat myself only. But my purpose has got to be to feed the world. And that's what you get to do when you partner with Kingdom Builders. So this is a little time out in my message. But I just want to say, Emmanuel, thank you for giving to Kingdom Builders and through Kingdom Builders touching the world. It is our purpose. When, the, when people drive by our, our locations and they see Emmanuel on the sign, may they see people as well who are interested in the benefit of the world around them. We're not just trying to get people to serve us. We want to serve the world. Can I get an amen to that? That's what we should be about. Before I end here, I want you to recognize, though, it's not only about for Joseph the benefit of the world, but God's dreams are there and he brings restoration to broken relationships, his brothers. To see all the decades have gone by and the animosity in hearts and maybe some of the shame in his brother's hearts. There was separation in family. There was broken relationships. And I know that there are broken relationships everywhere I look on a Sunday morning. Some of us are separated from our parents. Some of us are separated from siblings that we grew up with. And we don't even talk to each other anymore. Some of us are separated from people that we should be connected to, our sons and our daughters. And I want you to know that if you follow Jesus, the ultimate dream isn't just to feed the world or take care of everybody, but God wants to bring restoration to your family. There has to be a dream in your heart if you follow Jesus, that at some point in time, there'll be a renewal of relationship. You say, well, I don't know if that'll ever happen. They hurt me too badly. You can find hope in a guy like Joseph. How did he forgive his brothers? There's several chapters there where they go back and forth and his brothers come and visit and they don't know who he is. And he breaks down weeping as he remembers all of the years that he had thought about them while he was in prison and, and considered the, the separation. But by that time, that processing with God, the process of a dream and how a dream is developed, God began to change his heart towards his brothers. And he went from hurt to forgiving. He was able to care for and love his brothers. And eventually, all his brothers came. His dad came. All of the family came to Egypt. And during that whole time of crisis and the famine, they were all saved as well. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And the dream has to include those things that have been broken for him. It was an incredible story of forgiveness and restoration and purpose. And eventually, when their dad Jacob died, the brothers were still afraid that Joseph would change and hurt them back. But this is what Joseph said. This reveals what changed inside of his heart. It said, Joseph replied in Genesis 50, don't be afraid of me. 
Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Isn't that powerful? Isn't that powerful? Restoration is possible. Finally, how a God dream grows. We can have dreams that outlive us. Out of all the things that he was known for as a dreamer, what's noted about Joseph's life in the New Testament in the hero chapter of Hebrews chapter 11? It's not his dreams. It's not feeding the known world. No, what's noted in the New Testament about his entire life in verse 22 of Hebrews 11, it says, and it was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. He even commanded them to take his bones with them when they left. What's this? A, this is a reference. Because you see, when all of Israel came down into Egypt, they, they landed in an area called Goshen, and, and they, 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 they kind of multiplied. And Joseph knew and had new dreams. See, once your old dreams are fulfilled, don't stop dreaming. Don't stop asking. What does Joel say, the prophet Joel, by the Spirit of God that's echoed in Acts, that in the last days that I will pour my spirit on all flesh, that sons and daughters would prophesy, that young men would dream or would see visions, and old men would dream dreams. Listen, I don't care what age you are. This is the age of the Spirit. In the last days, God is pouring out His Spirit. And no matter what you've already gone through, we should always be saying, God, give me a dream as it's in my future. You could be 95 years old, and God could plant a dream in you that will, it will outlive you. You'll die, but the dream will live on. The dream will live on through your kids and through your grandkids. There should be dreams in our hearts that are bigger than our capacity to make it happen so that someday it will happen. I love what it says in Exodus chapter 12. It says this is when they actually crossed the river. It says the people of Israel had lived in Egypt for 430 years after Joseph had died. In fact, it was on the last day of the 430th year that all the Lord's forces left the land. Joshua references it a little bit later in Joshua chapter 24. The bones of Joseph, with the, which the Israelites had brought along with them, they had left in Egypt. Listen, those bones made it 430 years later. You want to talk about a dream? That's a big dream. I want, I want those kind of dreams that centuries of people come and go and still the dream comes alive. Things in my heart that I'm praying for this city. Things that I'm praying for my kids and my grandkids. Things that I'm praying for the world around me. And should Jesus tarry, I want those dreams to come true. Jesus, keep pouring out your spirit on us. Keep pouring out your spirit on our lives. That you would help us to dream dreams, see visions, prophesy, to speak about what God is saying in our story. Dreams for your kids and grandkids. Dreams for your life's work benefiting others. 
Dreams for your words to inspire others even after you're gone. Dreams that when you have conflict in your family and you don't know what to do about it. A dream that says, I don't want it to pass to the next generation. A dream that my sins would stop and holiness would begin. That I would pass off an honorable legacy. Listen, God's not done dreaming in and through all of us. The best is still yet to come. Would you stand with me today? Come on. In 1963, this church was started. Pastor Mark and Shirley Daniels are the first pastors of the church. They pastored this church for 43 years. I remember as a youth pastor, first as a college student, even before I was a youth pastor, walking and praying in the sanctuary in Spring Lake Park on their morning prayer times and hearing pastor preach and pray. I remember hearing him talk about things. And one of the things I heard him talk about in a staff meeting years later was, listen, this wasn't our dream. This was God's dream. This church was God's dream. He was responsible to steward the dream. He prayed about it. He prayed about what God would do in the church. He saw things. God began to give it his heart. But some of those dreams outlived him. And I remember it was just nine and a half years ago that I became the lead pastor of the church. And the day after I was installed, Pastor Denyes died to go to be with Jesus. And I started remembering, oh, I don't know if I could do this. This seems so overwhelming. I don't know. This seems intimidating. And I remember their words. This wasn't our dream. This was God's dream. You know what? I can live in God's dream. Sometimes other people's dreams are too much for me to handle. But I can live in the dream that God puts on me. And you and I have responsibilities to say, God, take what you've given me, that purpose you planted in me. No matter what I've gone through, no matter what mistakes I've made, no matter what you've done, listen, it doesn't matter what you've done, you and I have a responsibility to say, Lord, I'll take the good and the bad and I put it in your hands. I want you to put your hands like this in each of our locations. Keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open. Some of you automatically are like ready to pray. I want you to see in your hands your story. If you had snapshots or videos in your hands of previous moments of your life, there might be some moments that you had a dream when you were younger that somebody took you out from your dream. Somebody abused you. Somebody hurt you. Somebody said a negative word to you. Maybe you made a mistake and you shut the door to the entire dream because you think you failed God. Listen, I want that in your hands right now. And if there is an ability that we could have, we can begin to dream again for God to fan into flame the dreams that were there before we messed it up or before somebody else messed it up for us. I want you to see your kids. Maybe you've got relationship issues. Maybe there's family issues. Maybe you've got Joseph stuff going on. You got family rivalry and anger and hurt. Parental hurt. It could be sister or brother hurt. It doesn't matter what it is. All of those things. And I want you to say, man, right now they're in my hands. But if I give them to God, like Joseph gave his life to God, no matter what circumstance he went through, no matter if he was in Potiphar's house or as a slave or he was in prison, 
or he was at the top of the mountain, he was in the palace, he put his life in God's hands and God built the dream. You don't know where you're at in your story and you don't know where the people on the other side of the story are either. Got to move in the pieces and you've got to be patient for his process to come together. But those are all in your hands right now. We're going to worship in a moment, but before we worship in all of our locations, I want you to do this now. Take your hands and lift them up to heaven. Come on. We'll put it in your hands, Jesus. All of it. Every little bit. Nothing hidden. No bad thing. No word spoken. No horrible, horrific moment in our history, even when we were little kids. Some of us have gone through abuse. Some of us have gone through difficult things. Lord, we put that all in your hands. And we simply say, oh God, you build the dream. Lord, fan the dream. Fan the dream. Fan it into flame. I pray in Jesus' name that, Lord, that you fulfill the scripture, even as it was echoed in the New Testament, that in the last days, you would pour out your spirit on everybody, young and old, men and women, that, Lord, that you would awaken those things that you planted in our hearts so long ago. And may you give us the capacity to trust you, to yield to you for the process Lord, to be yours. And we pray in Jesus' name that the anointing, oh God, would break off those things that the enemy meant for evil. And, and like Joseph, we'd be able to look at people someday and say, I'm different now. What you meant for evil, God has used for the good. You've turned it around. We thank you, Father. We put it in your hands. Fan it in a flame. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us. We pray that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. Check out emmanuelcc.org for faith resources, how to get plugged into the community, or to join us live on Sundays at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. We are so excited to see what God is going to do. The best is yet to come.